What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Bronx Attorney Broadcast. Today, we have John Fisher. John is a catastrophic injury attorney. He has done so much when it comes to marketing. It's truly insane. He does a monthly newsletter. He hosts masterminds in various parts of the country every three to four months. He's written two books with one more coming out. And all of this is for the purpose of establishing relationships with other attorneys and fostering these relationships and growing these relationships and helping other attorneys to grow their practices and provide value for them in the hopes that you know when when the time comes and they need a, a, a an injury attorney they'll think of John there's so much good information here that you know I, I hope that you get some as much value out of it as I know that I did so here's the show Hey, John, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today to talk to me. Um, you know, I, I love so much of the things that you do. I get your newsletter. I've read your books and I'm, I'm really excited to sit here and, and get to pick your brain a little bit. Of course. Uh, thanks for having me, Will. I appreciate it. Just to, just to get started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your law firm? Yeah, you know, I, I worked for uh, a big firm doing catastrophic personal injury and medical malpractice in upstate New York uh, for about 14 years. So mo the bulk of my career has been with the firm. And then it was about 10 years ago that uh, they invited me into like a meeting with the senior partners and fired me. Yeah, And I tell you, I was scared to death when it happened. I wasn't really sure. I had three little kids all adopted kids from Russia. And my wife wow. is, um, in a, well, at the time she really, really wasn't working, but she is now an appellate division judge in the third department. And, you know, at the time I was really scared and I really wasn't sure what to do. I had no idea how to run a law firm, no clue. And so what I did, Will, is the only thing I knew is I, I basically started writing every policy or system that I could think of. And I just kept writing and writing because I had learned in 14 years, I'd learned a lot of really great stuff from the lawyers who were phenomenal lawyers. And we handled complex litigation. So really tough cases, not, right. not your run of the mill law firm. We weren't doing hardly any motor vehicle cases or premises liability. The bulk of our work was was medical malpractice with uh, labor law 240 and 241.6 mm -hmm. and um, toxic torts. I mean, really com uh, product liability, basically cases that n other lawyers just didn't want to do right. or didn't know how to handle. And so, you know, that is what my background was. I put all these policies in, into, wrote them all down. The, the goal when I did this was not to write a book. It was to mm -hmm. have a set of systems that I could share with our team so that they would know every aspect of how we do things. And at the end of it, I decided to put it into a book called The Power of a System. And that's marketing, management, policies and systems, uh, top to bottom, it, from intake, uh, discovery, mm -hmm. settlement, trial, the whole thing, how to do it, nuts and bolts. I really think when it comes to writing a book, the most important thing is when people read it, are they actually going to get something that they can use? Or is mm -hmm. it just 
fluff? Is it just inspirational? And right. if it is, there's nothing wrong with that. But ideally giving them something where they can say, I can take a bunch of concepts and put them into play right now. And this is extremely helpful. And so that's what I wrote. Uh, and, and it was everything that I possibly had that took about two and a half years to write, came out with the book. And it's been one of the best things that ever happened. So, Will, I mean, people would ask me, is a book, what's your ROI on a book? Mm -hmm. And well, all I can tell you is that I don't really track the ROI. But when the book came out, about probably one month it had been out. And I was in Virginia meeting with Ben Glass. And I got a call about from a referring attorney in Newburgh, New York, about... Uh, a case involving a young guy, 26-year-old, who was in a coma in Albany, New York, from a overdose of anesthesia. And I thought, mm -hmm. okay, that sounds like a great case, but I'm in Virginia, and then I won't be able to get up back up to New York for a couple of days. And I get a call an hour later, and the referring attorney says, John, it's too late. The client is interviewing the biggest uh, plaintiff's firms in New York State, oh, no. and they've got them all lined up. And I said, well just get me a meeting with the client. Mm -hmm. And so they did. And uh, I go to the hospital to meet with the, the patient's family, his, his wife, his mother, like the whole family. And when I arrive there in the hospital, it's like there's a line of attorneys with their hair slicked back wearing fancy thousand <laughs> dollar lawsuits. And there I am. And I'm thinking, oh, great. I've got no chance here. So I go in to meet with the family after waiting for about an hour. And I have a, a short conversation with them. And as I was leaving, I gave them the hard copy of my book, The Power of a mm -hmm. System. They thought that it was a bit strange that I would do that. Uh, they had no idea. I just It's just something I had. So I just gave it to them. And about a week went by. They called and they said, we're hiring you. And, you know, honestly, I was a little bit surprised by that. But yeah. they, I said, well, what, what was the deciding factor? And they said, well, we have no clue who to hire but your book has been sitting on our coffee table. We started leafing through it. And all of these attorneys, they, they write all these strong testimonials for you. And we figure if attorneys across the country recommend you, then you mm -hmm. must be the right attorney for this case. So the, the proof is that without that book, I never would have gotten that case. And that ended up being a about a, I think it was about a, I, I, it was $4 million or actually it wow. may have been $5 million. So it was a large case and a, a very substantial fee in the ballpark mm -hmm. of 500000 And I, I wouldn't have had any of that if not for that book. Right, so the right. book, it, it had staying power. When the, the clients and I split ways, the book remained and it was in their hands. It was in their car. It was on their coffee table. Mm -hmm. And they probably didn't read it, but they read some of it. And yeah. it just it, it basically kept reinforcing that our firm was the right law firm for their case. And really, that's the power of a book. The staying power has for an attorney who writes the definitive book in their practice area. Let's say, Will, that in Albany, there's an attorney who just, he's, he is the, the leading authority on DWI defense in New York mm -hmm, State. Mm -hmm. And he and how do he get that way? Well, he, he charges double what anyone else charges. Yeah. And he wrote the definitive book about DWI defense in New York State. So any lawyer who's in criminal defense is going to read this book mm -hmm. and they're going to know it. 
And chances are, if it's a really hard case, they might even consider referring it to him. Ah. And a lot of times what I write about, like, for example, medical malpractice, yeah. a lot of attorneys will be like, you know, uh, maybe it's more complicated than I thought. Maybe I should mm -hmm. just refer it to you. And that's usually what happens. But I wrote that book. I view it as as the one one of the most important things I've done in my career. And then I wrote a second book that's called The Law Firm of Your Dreams that took about four and a half years to write. It's everything I've got from marketing management, trial skills, mindset, everything. Mm -hmm. I just package it all together in a book. These books cost a lot of money because there's a lot that goes into it with our publisher in, mm. in South Carolina is called Advantage Media. But you know, the reality is I just see the value of giving everything away because no one else is doing that. And in the marketplace of the Bronx, where things are so competitive and you yeah. see lawyer names everywhere in Spanish and other things, right. you think, how can I compete against that? You just have to be different. You have mm -hmm. to be extremely different to excel in a hyper-competitive marketplace like the Bronx. So I'll give you an example of one of the cases I have. I have one case that is in the Bronx. Okay. And it's an, it's a, um, an Orthodox Jewish woman from Brooklyn mm -hmm. whose hub husband died in a medical malpractice case. She was interviewing all of the, the law firms. And here I am, an upstate attorney. And, and, you know, and frankly, a lot of people who are downstate look on upstaters as farmers and say, well, <laughs> this guy is probably out, outside, you know, doing attending cows in the middle of the day, right? Things like that. So I met with her in her home in Brooklyn and we really didn't connect that much. But at mm. the end of the meeting, I discussed with her what our firm's core values were and we yeah. had four of them. Mm -hmm. And when I went through that, that we one of them is we never agree to confidential settlements and I never have, I never will. And I explained to her the reasons why. And she listened to that and she had not said really like a word the whole time we had met. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know what? I, I'm so glad that you feel that way because I feel exactly the same way. This is not just about money for her. Right. She said, this is about holding that doctor accountable because my husband's death was preventable. It never should have happened. And if we agree to confidentiality, then they get away with this, even mm. if they pay me off. And yeah. she was so adamant about it. And all of a sudden, she's kind of fired up about it. And I'm thinking, man, huh, what firestorm I just started here. <laughs> but she said, you are the perfect attorney for this case. And because your values align with my values. And that's what happens with core values is that when you share them, not only with your team, but mm -hmm. with your clients and prospective clients, they see that you're a value-driven person. And it's not just about money because, Will, when you mm -hmm. go through the Bronx and you see all these signs with all these lawyers everywhere, yeah. all you can think of, all I think about is that's all about money with all mm. these people. And they're just trying to get the case. And I think that there is a very cynical view, including in the court system in the Bronx. Like you go there and they're like, is this just another one of these cases? And like, I'm like, right. wait a minute. Don't judge me here. You know, give me a break. Yeah. But the reality is, um, I think for a lawyer to be unique in that in that type of competitive market is that you show them I'm not about money. I'm not like all these other people, lawyers. I am about values. I'm mm -hmm. about things that are completely different that no other law firm has. And that's where we developed purpose, values, and mission to run our law firm. 
because it started out at a mastermind in Arizona that I went to, and we spent three days, and, and really it was mind-blowing what I learned. This was in October of 2013, and I learned the value of having purpose, values, and mission. So for example, our purpose is stopping medical injustice. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? that mean? It's not make as much money as possible. It's about a higher standard that has nothing to do with money. And then I, I make sure that we uh, embrace these values and purpose. And our mission was to have 500 referring attorneys to our law firm. We mm. now have 550. Wow. Why? Because we, we have put an emphasis on lawyer-to-lawyer referral-based marketing. Right. And, Will, I'll go to marketing seminars and you'll hear about TikTok. You'll hear yeah. about uh, Instagram, pay-per-click, digital marketing. It's all the same stuff at every single conference. Mm-hmm. And I go crazy because I keep thinking to, to, to I, I would ask an attorney, where are your highest value cases coming from? Mm-hmm. And they would say, well, it's referrals. And if you go to a marketing conference, about 90% of the attendees will say referrals. Right. A few will say digital marketing, mm-hmm. but the bulk of the attorneys will always say, hey, referrals. And I say, okay, great. Are, where are you getting the refer- referrals from? And they'll be like, well, half of them will say former clients, and then mm-hmm. half of them will say lawyers. So roughly 45% of attorneys will say their highest value cases come from other attorneys. Okay, sounds great. Now, the next question is, how many of you have a documented system for nurturing and acquiring lawyer referrals? Not well in my career. I've only seen one hand go up when I ask that question. So that nobody, no one does. I mean, we do, but no one does. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, okay, if you're getting your best cases from attorney referrals, why don't you have a system for building mm. attorney referrals? Why don't you? Why don't you become obsessive about right, that? Right. And they don't. They just think if I do good work, well, that's enough. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. You need to over communicate with your referring attorneys. Every single, if you referred a case to us today, Will, uh-huh. what would happen is you'd get an email from our staff member who would update you, this is what happened, even if they mm-hmm. didn't speak with your client. This, we, we got the medical records, the records are being reviewed by our medical expert. We should have an answer in the next few days. And then you'll be in, a, in an automated e- email sequence through our uh, CRM that right. will update you. Here's mm-hmm. how we evaluate it. And so that you know, and what does that do, Will? It guarantees that the next time you have a medical malpractice case, whether it's upstate, maybe even downstate, you're going to think of our law firm because mm. we didn't just brush you off and say, we don't want it. We're updating you regularly. We're obsessive yeah. about over-communicating with our referral partners and our clients, but much more so with referring attorneys. And that's how we got to 550 uh, referring attorneys. And now our goal is to have 1,000 by October yeah. 19th uh, three years from now. I mean, the reality is that's how you get to this point because I know lawyers are our clients. The epiphany mm-hmm. I had as a lawyer is that when you do catastrophic injury law, it's not injured clients that you want to sort of cater to mm-hmm. because if somebody has becomes paralyzed in some type of wreck or accident, they're not going to have another case in their lifetime. And yeah. there's a good chance they won't have a family member to mm-hmm. refer either. So it's a one-off. You get right. you you do a good job. You never hear from them again. And one week after their case resolves, they don't even remember your name. We are not important to them, nor should we should we be, 
because they're moving on with their life and and that's just the way it is but if you let's say will that you have a connection with a prominent law firm that's got 50 lawyers and they don't do personal injury now mm. that's a lot of law firms right out there especially in the new york metro market yeah, there's a ton yeah. of law firms like mm. that so if this 50 lawyer law firm is going to if you develop a relationship with the very head of this firm yeah. and they're going to send all of their personal injury work to you then all of a sudden you don't have to have your name on a billboard in the bronx because mm -hmm. you've got a law firm who's doing all the advertising and they're sending all the work to you that is how you do it so of the 550 referring attorneys that our law firm has mm -hmm. there's only about four that are consistently week after week referring clients uh -huh. so most of them we hardly ever hear from mm -hmm. but but mm -hmm. But if you find those four or five that are consistently, then you've got a pipeline of referrals from a single law firm. And that is a beautiful thing when that happens. Uh, and you want to nurture that relationship. So, Will, you'd say, okay, how do you nurture yeah. relationships? Well, I'll, 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 first of all, I'll start by telling you how we acquire referral partners and then how we nurture them. Mm -hmm. We acquire them by the best form of marketing that exists in this world is one-on-one -on -one. and what i do is i go to the westchester county bar association i find a date that they've got nothing on their schedule i would tell them that i have a special event for their members it's called mm -hmm. the jury project and that's about doing a focus group okay. on one of their you know on a case and showing other attorneys how to do focus groups to build up their own cases and they would hear that in westchester and they'd be like oh We've never had anything like that. Let's, uh, I said, yeah, but it's just this day and this time. Because otherwise, they'll say, oh, let, you may be in two years from now. So I said, yeah. no, no, no. I, I just got it this date and that's it. And mm -hmm. if you don't want it, then I'll, I'll offer it to the Bronx or somewhere like that. Right, right, right. And look, okay, we'll take it. We'll take it. They'll take it. Then they will advertise your event for you. Mm -hmm. And then you'll be, like, for example, in Dutchess County, we did a, a jury project a seminar. And there were 67 members of the Dutchess County Bar who came and they were trial attorneys. And they, so they came, they saw it, we provided like some, a small meal. Yeah. We, they don't allow cocktails, but we had like a cocktail hour afterwards mm -hmm. and we paid for the CLE credits. It's not, none of this is expensive. It's very right. easy. And we had audio video who filmed the event. So, there's 67 prospective referring attorneys who are mm. engaging with you one-on-one -on -one, and you are being promoted by the county bar association as the authority on right, this on subject. subject yeah so you have a celebrity status right like like that and you well you might say well wait a minute i'm too young to do something like that mm -hmm. i i don't have experience no that that is something that you'd you'd have to overcome you'd have to right. say well it doesn't matter I, I'm going to do it anyway. And if no one shows up, who cares? I once had a speaking engagement where I rented out this really nice conference room at the Marriott Marquis in Midtown Manhattan. And I had 15 attorneys who signed up for it. So I'm like, okay, we'll do this. No one showed up. And the video crew that I had, they're like, they're starting to break down their equipment and they're like, <laughs> we're ready to leave. I said, where are yeah. you going? They said, well, no one's here. What are we going to do? I said, we're still going to do this. And they filmed about maybe a 45 minute clip. I broke it into segments. No one had to know that there wasn't a soul that showed <laughs> up. And so, you know, so we had all these video clips. I posted it on social media. Yeah. 
it turns out that you know it, it's just I built a public speaking a web uh, website that's called publicheroicspeech.com. Okay. And so I, I that's how I do it. And then people will reach out from across the country, trial lawyer organizations, mm-hmm. American Association for Justice, New York State Bar Association. I'm speaking in June for the Wyoming Trial Lawyers Association. I just spoke earlier this week for Suffolk University uh, Law School, their, their legal practice class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and keeps building on itself because you're building relationships with other lawyers and that's how you do it one-on-one now okay so you built up these relationships let's say will let's say that you went to law school at brooklyn law you've got all these classmates those are people who are perfect for referral partners for you right or pace law wherever and mm-hmm. you've got all these, and then you, how do you nurture these relationships because they're not going to think of you and they're not going to think of me either what I do, and I've done this since 2010, every single month, is a monthly print newsletter. Yeah. It, uh, I, I, I write it. I don't outsource that. I have a graphic designer in Colorado. She will do the design. It usually takes about 24 to 48 hours, and then it gets in the mail. We have our, our fulfillment and printing uh, company is in Kansas, and the whole process takes about three days. And so it's super easy. And then, so you're saying to me, well, what's the value of a newsletter? Because those 550 referring attorneys, they are getting the newsletter every Mm. single month. So who is staying top of mind? Now, I wouldn't be top of mind unless they were getting the newsletter and they'll tell me that they save them, they archive them in Mm. binders and they keep rereading the newsletters because they're chock full of valuable information about marketing and managing a law firm Mm -hmm. now so they're getting this and it's a constant reminder and they're like john i i have these five malpractice cases but i didn't know who to refer to i just saw your newsletter and so i just picked up the phone the newsletter is something if i had to give up everything websites the whole thing uh the one thing that i would not give up is the monthly print newsletter and I know other law, law, lawyers in our mastermind who do them, and they'll do it at a much bigger scale than I do, like 30,000, 40,000. Wow. And they're very devoted to it uh, mm. in, in Ohio, in Florida, in other places like that. But you know, the one thing, Will, because I'll speak about newsletters at marketing events, and other yeah. lawyers, they just like roll their eyes when they hear <laughs> about it. They say, this is stupid. Um, and then I'll say, OK have you tried a newsletter? And they'll be like, yes, I have. It didn't work. I, right. Then I'll say the, the pivotal question, how long did you try it? Yeah. And they'll be like, well, about four months. I was like, nothing works in four months. Yeah. Yeah. I could have told you that it would have failed. You have to do it for at least a year to see okay. what whether it's going to work for you. And because any form of marketing will be successful if it's done consistently. Mm-hmm. So whatever that is, if it's this YouTube interview and you do it religiously every single week. Yeah. It's not going to take off in the first few months, mm-hmm. but after year one or year two or year three, then it's going to be rocking and you're going to get constant comments, replies, shares. But if you just did it as a, for a few months, forget it. It won't, it won't achieve anything. Mm. Consistency is the key to any form of marketing. I've learned that uh, through what we do. And so I absolutely love marketing, but for lawyers, like I, I just had a call earlier today with the lawyer and he goes, oh, my website sucks. I don't get any leads from it. 
I don't know what to do. And I, I shared with him that everything will on like what he should be doing. And yeah. I, I do believe that within 45 days, I could change any website of any lawyer or anyone in the country because there, there's proven ways of doing this. And, and I shared all of that with him. And, and he's like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't think I can do any of that. And I was like, don't worry about it. No one does any of this stuff. Lawyers, <laughs> they really are terrible yeah. at it because they don't want to spend the time and they don't feel passionate about marketing and business development. But the fact that you and I are speaking right now on this call shows to me that this is a, an issue that is really important to you yeah. is growing your business and developing business. And once you have clients, like that big firm that fired me, right? they fired me. Half the firm's clients were clients who I had, uh, who were my clients, clients I'd gotten for the firm. So when I left, all these clients came with me Okay, and the firm ended up having to fire a lot of their staff wow. because the income was gone at that point. Right. And so it wasn't immediate, but over time, it was devastating to the law firm, but I don't care. Once, right. once you have a book of clients, you become like Superman. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, did you start your firm fired. immediately after after you were fired? Well, no, I worked for a firm for about two years, be, uh -huh. sort of like as a transition to that. And that, so I got fired in, in June of 2010. I worked for um, a firm for about two years and I was just like, I, I, this doesn't make sense for me. You know, it doesn't make sense. The money that I was generating for the firm, we had a meeting once in Albany and there were two cases the legal fees from the two cases were a million dollars, almost wow. exactly a million dollars. Yeah. And the lawyers from the two firms were having, they were haggling over who gets how much money. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting there like, man, these are two cases where I got the clients, I did all the work, I generated the results, yeah. I went to trial, and yet here I ended up with $18,000 out of a million dollar legal fee. I wow. said, something is seriously wrong about the situation. Do I want to spend the rest of my life working for, to make someone else rich or do I want to make it so that I'm I'm supporting my family and living the life? Mm. Like here I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. I got on a flight yesterday to see a concert uh, with my son who now lives down here. If you know, if I worked for a firm, I couldn't do stuff like yeah. this. I, yeah. I have to ask for permission and things like that. And the way I look at it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm too old to be asking anyone for permission for anything. You know? So I don't want to do that. I yeah. just live the life. And if I want to go visit my mother down in Florida, I just book a flight and I go. I don't yeah. worry about that. The firm that we have, the, you know, the, the best advice I could have somebody who's starting a firm is like build a, a team of superstars, mm -hmm. people who are passionately devoted to the causes that you believe in. And if you get a team of superstars, do whatever it takes to hold on to them and let them do the work because either you are, you're trading your time for money or you're trading your money for time. And what I mean by that is you want to delegate and assign everything you possibly can to get other people to do the work for you mm -hmm. so that you are doing only the work that you're great at right. and that you love doing. That's the key. Now, there's some work that you can say, I'm good at this and I like doing it, but those are not the key words. Right. Love love doing the work and great at doing the work. Those are the key words. So will like if I hear from my law school classmates yeah. that, you know, we're, we're okay, we're paying the bills and all this stuff. It's like, what, is that what life is about paying mm -hmm. the bills? Mm -hmm. No, it's about thriving and living a life that you couldn't imagine was ever possible. 
And so whenever I hear that, I don't say anything and I don't pass judgment, but I kind of feel like that's really sad that after going to law school a long time ago, you're just sort of like, yeah, everything's fine, no problems. No, because it shouldn't be like that. This should be, our law firm should be promoting our ideal lifestyle. So if we want, if you want to go to the Caribbean and spend a week in Hawaii or whatever, you just pick up and you go. It's just the way it is. Um, If you want to do trial work, fantastic. Do trial work, just like I do. I absolutely love it. And um, I think our profession is the greatest thing in the world, and I absolutely love it. And I will share with you the thing that's had the greatest impact on my career is a mastermind. In October of 2013, I was invited to a very high-level mastermind in Mm -hmm. Arizona, and it wasn't had nothing to do with the law. It was just bunch of lawyers, bunch of business owners from Australia, South America, South Africa, England. I mean, all these crazy successful people. They were talking about the challenges facing their business for three days with the leaders of Infusionsoft. And I'm just sitting there like, I can't believe I'm in this room. I definitely do not belong here. And so at the end of the day, after the end of that, I went home, I told my wife, and she just said, how much did this cost? <laughs> like, Don't worry, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I eventually told her it cost $10,000. And she's like, you're wow. out of your mind. That, that could have been a vacation for us. No, and I'm like, no, this is much better than any vacation. Those were the three best days of my career. So I started looking around to see our lawyers doing masterminds. Yeah. And I found out that they were, but I really hated the way that they were set up because they were money driven. Okay. Like, you can join our mastermind, but it's going to cost you 25000 a year. I was like, no, no, I don't think so. So I started in, in the fall of 2015. We started our mastermind in Chicago. And we I, somehow I found, I don't know how we did it, but it was 20 lawyers, 20 law firms come into a room from all over the country mm-hmm. who are dealing with, we're, we're talking about the biggest challenges facing them and their law firms. And I, there were amazing people in that room back in in November of 2015 in Chicago. And since that time, we've done a mastermind about once every three to four months. Mm-hmm. Our last one was in Honolulu, Hawaii. And the next one is April 21st in Atlanta. And so, you know, we handle them. We do them at various places. And what happens, Will, at a mastermind is you get into a small group, small room with about about six other law firm owners okay. and you say this is the issue i'm really struggling with in terms of management or marketing a law firm mm-hmm. and then they start to going to work to give you solutions and then the relationships that you build that day are lifelong that these people in that room will be there to support you help you every step of the way and i share this with other attorneys because i'm very passionate about masterminds uh-huh. and they'll say to me uh this that sounds nice or whatever and they're it just kind of blase yeah. and they, they get it. But if my wife and our firm's bookkeeper have always been against masterminds and they'll be like, you lose money every time. Why are you doing this? <laughs> I was like, okay, because I'm just going to do it anyway. Yeah. And my wife about three years went to her first mastermind. I think it was just before the pandemic. We were wow. in Maui and John Morgan of Morgan and Morgan came to the mastermind and spent about two hours with us uh-huh. talking about his firm and, you know, and all the different issues that he had. And my wife was like blown away. And at the end of that day, she's like, I can't believe this. You need to keep doing this. And, and she's right. I would have done it no matter what she said. But <laughs> the reality is uh, I, 
I just feel that if you could have a room that had Mark Zuckerberg, yeah. Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, all in this room, and, and Elon Musk, and they're yeah. in this room, and their sole job is to try to help you and your business get better, yeah. then you'd, you'd be like, well, that'd be crazy. Of course, yeah, it'd be no brainer to go. <laughs> What, what if I could do the same thing except with, with the most elite lawyers in the yeah. country are in that small room and advising you on how to grow your law firm or manage the law firm or any problem? You'd be like, yeah. That, I mean, once you experience it, it's mind-blowing. And people who go through the mastermind and the relationships that are lifelong, it's yeah. amazing. So the mastermind is called Mastermind Experience. Mm -hmm. And the mastermind in Atlanta is April, Friday, April 21st. If someone were interested, it's mastermindexperience.com. You know, it, it, it is easily the best thing I've ever done yeah. in my career, and I absolutely love it. So what I we're talking about here, one. yeah, you, you should. I mean, you it's, you know, all you would do is say, okay, John, I'm signed up. I'm coming. I'll figure this out. You know, uh -huh. don't worry about anything else. And, Will, what I'll hear from other attorneys is, oh, I really want to come. I just can't make that work. Yeah. Because well, what we're doing is they're putting – the, the technical work ahead mm -hmm. of the more important strategic work. Because when people talk about working on the business, what they're talking about is strategic planning for the law firm. Working on the business, in the business, means depositions, paperwork, yeah. stuff like that. And, and that's the critical distinction because years ago when I started my firm, I paid $10,000 to a mar one of the nation's like top well-thought-of marketing group and we met mm -hmm. at a small little greasy spoon in New Jersey. Okay. And the uh, I said to them, you know, I really didn't learn anything. But at the end of it, I said to this guy, what is the one piece of advice that mm -hmm. you can share with me? And he said that the people who are the most successful in any industry are those who spend more than 50% of their time on business development. Interesting. If they don't do that, they will not succeed. And he mm -hmm. was so right about that. And, and so – if you're spending time, you're, what I would call this your activity inventory, if you're spending your time and it's just doing depositions, doing paperwork, stuff like that, then, then you're not growing the law firm at that time. The right. goal should be to spend more than 50% of your time on business development. And the leading lawyers in the country, Mike Morris uh, in Detroit, uh, Morgan and Morgan, I mean, John, John Morgan, I don't think he's met with a client in probably 20 years. Yeah, wow. And the, reality is they're involved in strategic planning, marketing, business development, and that's why their firms have thrived and and you know when they 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 live the lifestyle that they want to. They they do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And so that's the the, the idea if, if I'm 25 years and I'm leaving law school right now, yeah. the advice I would give myself is the and I let's say that will a magic genie came down and said you can only give one piece of advice to yourself. Okay. I would say Join an elite mastermind and leverage the knowledge and wisdom of high achieving attorneys and, and stay committed to the mastermind. Because if you do that, your, your law firm and your life will thrive. That's all I would say in 30 seconds. Uh -huh. and, uh, and I don't think that I would accept that advice. I'd probably, <laughs> what is that? Yeah, yeah. But, but I probably would eventually try one and uh -huh. then I'd be like, okay. Now I get it. And that would trigger me to be there um, and to go to every mastermind. So that's what I've done. I mean, if you look at what we do, lawyer to lawyer referral based marketing, it's a combination of public mm -hmm. speaking engagements, 
um, monthly print newsletters. We have appreciation parties on the Hudson River where we'll, we'll rent like a big boat and invite everyone on it with the blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything you can do, uh, March Madness parties, anything that you can do, delegate everything I possibly can. Right now, finally, and it's been long overdue, we're hiring a second in command for our law firm. Wow. whose sole job is to basically handle every aspect of running the law firm. Because right now I'm too far into the weeds with a lot of stuff that, right. that I shouldn't be doing. And so this, this guy who's run a high school for 20 years, now he's going to run our law firm. He's got no legal experience at all, but his job is to take my vision and turn it into a reality. Okay. That's his job. I'll tell him what I'll share with him a four page document that lists the vision that I have for every aspect of our law firm. Cause without a vision, you'd never get there. And then it's his job to turn that vision into a reality. Mm, so that's, that's the next step in our evolution because while I love the practice of law, there are times that I kind of want to scale it down so I can right. visit my son in North Carolina and things like that. I love it. We practice in Alabama. I practice in Long Island, in New York City. I practice all over the state of New York wow. and in other states as well. But the reality is there is a point in time where I'd want to sort of back off and say, I'm going to let other people do this. Gotcha. Now, I'm not quite there yet, but I will be. And so that's kind of where I want. And, you know, my, my, uh, my challenge for anyone watching this is if, if, number one, if they reach out to me, I'll give you my personal email address. Mm-hmm. They, if they request it, they'll get a, a signed copy of both of my books, The Power of System and The Law Firm of Your Dreams. I have a new book that's coming out this year, uh, this actually in June, that's okay. called Win Today, which is my life lessons. Basically, non-legal, it's my life lessons that will be available. I can provide that in digital format currently. And then anyone who wants to be on the mailing list for a monthly print newsletter, I'm happy to add them to that as well. And you know, these are the things, and I will include my, my cell number, which is 518-265-9131. So if anyone calls me, I'd be happy to chat with them, say, here's, there's no sales on any of this stuff. I'm just giving this stuff away. The reason why we just give it away and we don't ask for anything in return is because nobody else is doing that. I mean, everyone else is still transactional in our society and they, they want to see, including in marriage, like, Mm. what am I getting out of this marriage? You know, what is she doing for me? And the reality is forget all that nonsense. What, what can we do to give them the most amazing life possible? Because if you devote your life to giving your spouse the greatest life possible, it comes back to you in spades. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the secret to a great marriage, in my opinion. And for, for marketing, I just take everything I know, including my books. These books don't cost a lot of money to give yeah. away. It's $5 mm-hmm. per book. I mean, the, the book, The Law Firm of Your Dreams, is 512 pages, yeah. but it doesn't cost me much money. I sign it put in the mail and then it's, it will, I, I can tell you um, many times I've gone to court conferences in the judges chambers and they'll have my book, the power of a system wow, or the law. That's a good feeling on their bookshelf <laughs> in their chambers. No, it's not only a good feeling. It's not a good feeling for the defense attorneys to of see course. that they're the <laughs> reading my books. And my wife is a judge. She's now an appellate division judge uh-huh. in Albany. And she told me she went, they have an annual like judges learning seminars in White Plains. Yeah. And she said to me, she came back once, she goes, Do you realize that they use your book, The Power of a System, as a resource wow. on case management? 
Wow. I'm like, no, no one ever told me that. I had no idea. That's pretty cool. And, and I'll share this with you too. I, a couple of years ago, I was renting a car in it at the Atlanta airport for a case I had in Alabama. And uh, I'm just sitting there and a couple of like 30 year old, a, a male and female couple, they were looking at me from a distance. They were, they were uh, African-American look. I mean, I'm, it's just kind of weird, honestly. And they're just like staring at me. I'm like, what's going on here? So eventually she kind of very sheepishly walks in my direction and she says, my husband said that if I didn't speak with you, <laughs> I would regret it the rest of my life. And I'm like thinking, well, who do you think I am? I mean, right. I'm, I'm, you know, and she goes, you're, wait a minute, aren't you John Fisher? You wrote The Power of a System? I'm like, well, yeah. And, and so she and her husband came over. We had a nice little hug. It was really a cool moment, but here's the key. Mm -hmm. I don't know who these people were, but they felt that they had some relationship with me, even though yeah. we didn't know each other because of the book. The book is something that they've read, they've reread it, and it has had some impact on their career, and they just wanted to say thank you for that, which is really cool because it's a, the book is an asset that you don't have for the next year. It's an asset that you have for the rest of your career, so is it worth the $50,000 that it took to publish that? Hell yes, it is. Yeah. Even if you just got one case from it, then mm. it, it is. But you'll have that for the next 30 or 40 years. It's extremely powerful way of being different. Like, for example, if you're, if you're driving along in the Bronx and you see all these billboards of lawyers, hire me, hire me, blah, blah, blah. What, what if you saw something that is, here's my book. You don't need to call me. I just want to give it to you just in case. Mm -hmm. and you know what? I mean, this is a different way of being. Right. And because all lawyers are copycat marketers, there's nothing mm -hmm. unique about any of it. I will, I will say this. And you see this in New Jersey, and now he's in New York. Broderick, his name is, I think his last name is Broderick. Yeah, something. Brandon Broderick. I pass by Brandon those billboards Broderick. all the time. You see that everywhere. But I'll give this guy credit because all you see is a black billboard when you uh. go to the Newark airport. And it's just got his name, nothing else. And I'm like, that's intriguing to me right. because I don't even know what type of law he does. I don't know his phone number. I don't know any of that, but here's the key. He obviously is trying to be different than right. every mm -hmm. other lawyer billboard on the market. And it's intriguing to me. And I'm thinking maybe I should look this up and figure out who this yeah. guy is. And so I have, and you know, he's a personal injury lawyer. But I mean, no other billboard would strike me that way. I just keep mm -hmm. driving. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have any impact on me. I think it's pretty clever what he's doing to be unique. Uh, so I would say really for anyone starting out their business, my, the top three pieces of advice I would have for a young attorney is number one, find a niche area of practice. Find something that's not just personal injury or car mm -hmm. wrecks. Find mm -hmm. something that's really niche down as far as you can. So for example, our firm, we promote ourselves as birth injury lawyers, but the reality is we do lots of stuff, type of yeah. malpractice and, and other types of accident cases, but we promote ourselves as birth injury. So people throughout the state and the country will contact us about birth injury cases. So niche down as far as possible, become an expert and a mm -hmm. specialist. Second, delegate and elevate, meaning delegate everything that of your work that you absolutely, uh, unless it's something that you're great at and that you love doing, delegate it, everything. Mm -hmm. that's, that's advice number two. 
Um, if, you, if somebody says, I don't have money to do any of this stuff, then hire a virtual assistant from the Philippines and let them take work off of your plate. The third piece of advice I would have, and this goes back to when we started our firm uh, yeah. 10 years ago, is the very first day we were open, I was in Scottsdale, Arizona at a marketing seminar, and I saw a friend from San Diego, and he goes, he goes, why are you here if your firm just opened today? This, mm -hmm. That's crazy. <laughs> and I said, no, this is the place that's best for me to be right here because mastering marketing is so critical to, to a lawyer's business. And I've, I've always embraced marketing because I just believe it's so important to what we do. Right. And other lawyers think, well, that's nuts because I got to get back to the office and do my paperwork and, and talk to my staff. And it's like, no, you have to master marketing before you do anything. If we don't have a pipeline of clients, I got nothing to talk to a staff about. Yeah. I mean, I need to make sure that those cases just keep coming through mm -hmm. and then let a nominal team that we have and Will, what, what was the benefit of the pandemic for, for lawyers? For me, it was one thing that uh, I learned that we don't have to have a team in my office. If you came to my office yeah. in small uptown, up, upstate Kingston, New York right now, mm -hmm. you'd find we don't have many people there yeah. because we work remotely with our team. And our, our top litigation paralegal is in Knoxville, Tennessee. Wow. She's amazing. And she just cranks out work. And, and just last week, she emailed me and, and she wrote, uh, John, I worked uh, 25 hours over the weekend. Is it okay to get overtime for them? I'm like, of course. Are you kidding me? <laughs> because when you have somebody that that's passionate, that they gave up their weekend wow. for your clients, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's where the core values come in. Because if somebody is not passionate about the rights of the disabled, they will mm -hmm. not work out. And that is always the case. So if somebody comes to your law firm and they say, I just, I just need a job, I need a paycheck, that person will not work out 100% of the time. But if they are passionate about the rights of your clients, just like you are, mm -hmm. and, and their rights matter to you to the point where they will cry if you lose your case, mm -hmm. then you found somebody that, that, that you don't let that person leave you. Uh, because of their, their 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 commitment and their passion for what they do is so critical. And I don't really want to work with anyone else. It's just life is too short to work with right. other people. So it, the pandemic has taught us the value of working with people who have never actually been in our law firm mm -hmm. from all over the country. It's really cool. And other lawyers will, will say to me, well, how do you know that they're actually working and not sitting around in their pajamas watching TV? Well, because that's an issue of trust. Do you yeah. trust the people that you're hiring? And the reality is until they give me a reason not to trust them, I do trust them. And, and if I find out that someone's lying to me, to me, I went away for a pilgrimage in Israel for about 10 days. Okay. And uh, when I came back, I found out that one of the employees was sitting, was not working. She was sitting at home doing nothing. Right. I said, you have to pack up your stuff and leave. That's it. Mm -hmm. And her husband called me the other day and he said, how could you be so mean to my wife? I'm like, well, no, the reality is you should talk to your wife because if she lacks honesty or integrity, she will not have a very good career because integrity yeah. is the most essential value that anyone in any industry can have. It's mm -hmm. not about hard work, ethics, passion, or perseverance. Integrity trumps all of them. It's right. the most important value. If people can't trust what you're saying, then then you become worthless at that point. And so 
That's why, and I don't, I don't even tolerate small lies at our firm. If somebody lies to me about something and I'm sure that that is a lie, they're gone. Yeah. It's as simple as that. But we have a great team and our team has been around quite a long time. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal and I enjoy it and I love the practice of law. I think it's a great profession. And I think that w- when we can change the lives of severely disabled people, that makes mm-hmm. the a world a difference. And so really, uh, Will, what I would do with, with the people watching this, your audience, mm-hmm. your fans, encourage them to think differently about how they market and manage their law firm. Think of other lawyers as clients rather than just lawyers and, and start marketing to that base. Mm-hmm. Do anything. Throw a party. Do a newsletter. Join a mastermind. Write a book. Do any of that stuff. Because even if you just do one of any of that, you're yeah. way ahead of the competition. No one else is doing any of this stuff. Lawyers yeah, absolutely yeah. suck at marketing. And so, <laughs> you know, if people are really into this, then you can say, well, you've got a huge leg up and you are on the path to becoming the next John Morgan of Morgan and Morgan mm. because you are, I mean, that, that's the thing. When John Morgan started out, he had a couple of partners in Orlando, Florida. And the partners were like, look, we made a bunch of money. We don't want to keep reinvesting the money in our firm. We want to suck the money out of it so Mm -hmm. we can go live on yachts and stuff. And he said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to grow this sucker huge. And so he parted ways with his partners and he took whatever money he made. He just kept reinvesting it. The best investment will that you and I have is not in stocks and bonds. It's in ourselves in our own development, in our own law firms. These are our assets and just keep building it. I keep throwing money at our firm. There's two things I don't have budgets for. Number one is travel. If somebody wants, if my wife comes to me or anyone comes to me and says, let's go travel to Iceland this weekend. I yeah. said, oh, let's do it. You know, I won't have any budget with that. I'll, uh, I'll go to Africa. I'll go wherever wow. or to, to the Middle East. I'll do anything yeah. because budget, I think, we have three kids and I want them to see the world. I want them to see how lucky we are to live in the United States, which you no know, people in the US, they take our country for granted. This mm. country's amazing. Why? Because we can say whatever we want in the United yeah. States. And there's no there's no ramifications to it. I mean, you can just say whatever you want. It can be really bad stuff if you but the reality in other countries in the world, you can't do that. And even in like, for example, we were in Jordan and they're like, well, we have free speech in Jordan. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. He goes, well, yeah, but you can't speak bad against the the uh, the, the king. That, that, you go to jail for that. Right. And, and you right. can't speak bad about Islam either. You, they'll come and get you if you do. It's like, that's not free speech. Right. That's yeah. nonsense. And in the, in the Middle East, there, there's no – in Russia, look, I my, my our kids are Russian citizens. Yeah. Well, I know Russia. I've been there three times, and I can tell you – you know, the Russian citizens, they don't say anything because right. if they do and it's the wrong thing, yeah. someone will come arrest them and they'll, they'll probably be tortured. The United States, none of that stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And I just think, and the thing that pisses me off the most, like when I see that, like the, 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 the people storm the capital of the U.S. is like, this is such a beautiful thing that's been created. And I don't yeah. want to see anyone change that, you know, and mm-hmm. challenging us. If somebody, if Trump loses fair and square in an election, just live with it, dude. Everybody <laughs> loses elections, you know, yeah, big yeah. deal. You know, just if you want to run again, run again. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like that. And I don't like when they're challenging the foundation of the greatest democracy in world history. So that that's a problem for me because I think that you and I, 
we have benefited enormously simply by being yeah. born in this country, you know? Yeah. So it is a good thing, man. And I, I really do appreciate being on your, your program here. And I just want people to know, I will Thanks share that Gmail address, you know, jfisherlawyer at gmail.com, F-I-S-H-E-R. And uh, anyone who emails me gets signed copies of the books. They'll go on my monthly print newsletter as well, the mailing list for that. And anything I can help you or, or your audience with, more than happy to do that. And, and you must be a mind reader because you answered all my questions without me having to answer them. I mean, to ask them. <laughs> yeah, no, it's absolutely fun. And, uh, and I, I enjoy it. It's a, it's, this is just a great way to spend a career. And I'm uh -huh. so grateful to so many people in our society. They just can't wait for five o'clock so they can go home. Right. And it's a great thing when you can say, man, I just can't wait to get to work. I can't yeah. wait to, to be with the people. I love the people I mm -hmm. work with. I love our clients, not all of them. There are some who are a pain in the ass, but the reality, most of them are really yeah. good, decent people who just had really horrendous things happen to them. And I feel really good about uh, fighting for the causes uh, that they have. It's really important to me. And so write down those core values, write down mm -hmm. that purpose, write down the mission of your law firm and make sure that everyone in your law firm sees it posted on a banner in your, copy, in your conference room in your lobby, everywhere. I share our values on our business card, mm. purpose, values, and mission. It's so essential to know that you stand for something that's more important than making money. And when I tell that to other lawyers, 90% of them laugh at it and say, this guy is just an idealistic quack. But the reality is, I don't, I don't shy away from that. Being idealistic is not a bad thing. I'm mm -hmm. proud of that. And so, hey, look, when, 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 if you were a defense attorney, you said, John, I'm going to offer you $3 million, but we're going to need to have confidentiality. I'd say that's off the table. Let's go to court. Yeah. And, and, and then in, within seconds, you'd say, John, it's okay. We don't need confidentiality because <laughs> they know that I've drawn a line in the sand that I would right. never cross. Yeah. And once they know that, you know, that's it. So no, anyway, thank you, Will. Um, any other questions or thoughts you'd like to yeah, share? And just, we got to tell everybody about your YouTube channel. Yeah, well, the name of the law firm, because about two years ago, New York State changed the law, so they allowed trade names in New York State. Mm. And I was like, that's that's phenomenal. What, why isn't everyone doing that? And they're not. Uh, in the Bronx, it's a little bit different. A few law firms are. Yeah, I didn't uh, not even know too that. Many. Yeah, so two, years, two or three years ago, they changed it, so you can use a trade name. It's ethical. It's a, a fair. No one does it couple firms, what is the value of having a trade name? Well, the, that, that your business is not just you, it's, it's a bigger. So our firm mm -hmm. is called the New York Injury and Malpractice Law Firm PC. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, the reality is, for example, Will, if your firm is called Bronx Car Accident Attorneys, something like that. Now, yeah. what's the value of that? Uh, the value is that when Google sees that, they're going to mm -hmm. index the keywords in your firm's trade name. Yeah. And on the Google business profile, you're going to be number one because everyone else is, is joesmith.pc uh, or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. When you put the keywords in your law firm's name, you go right to the very top of the listings. What used to be called Google Local, then it became Google My Business. Yeah. It's now called Google Business Profile. And these keywords are essential to getting the highest ranking on this three pack. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason. But the other reason is I want an asset that I could sell at the end of my career where I could just say, 
here you go. Yeah. It's not Johnny Fisher PC anymore mm-hmm. because that would be dependent on me. I want a business that I can pack up and sell to another lawyer and, 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 and then just live whatever life that I want, whether that's in the law or not. And so the New York Injury and Malpractice Law Firm PC is what we created, and that's how we change things. And it's just it's just a, a way of looking at a business as an asset rather than just something who that is something like a resource that I'm just going to try to pull money out of. I actually always constantly pouring more money into the asset, building the asset, mm-hmm. adding resources, building team members, constantly building that asset. And that is it. You know, I mean, that is what I think is the most valuable asset that we have is our business and ourselves. And the other thing, Will, that I don't hesitate, I don't have a budget on is self-improvement. So Mm. if there's a seminar somewhere that I want to go to, I I don't think about my, if our team wants to go to a seminar, that's approved in advance. No problem. They just go because I want to see everyone on our team improve. And we do set aside money from every settlement for what's called the dream manager program where we invest in the dreams of the people that work with our law firm. And so if they want to own their own house, they want to travel to Europe with their in-laws, then there's money set aside that will help them pay for that. Not totally, but partially to fulfill their dreams because money doesn't motivate. But when you take a personal interest in the dreams of your team, they'll know that you care about them and they'll they'll want to fight for you and your clients Mm. for as long as they can. Well, thank you again so much. I'm feeling inspired. I got a, I got a lot of work to do now. Well, we all have a lot of work to do. You know, working hard is a good thing, right? And John Morgan would say, work your ass off. You want to have a firm like Morgan & Morgan? Work yeah. your ass off. Make it happen. Delegate and elevate. Get a great team around you. A niche down and become mm-hmm. a master of marketing. And you do those three things and you will be on a really good path. All right. Well... Have a good one, John. Until next time. All right, Will. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bronx Attorney Broadcast. Please like, review, and subscribe so we can help the channel continue to grow. And if you're interested in connecting with any of the guests, please let me know, and I'd be happy to make the introduction.